this way. This is not air quality. Today, the topic is the priesthood under which the law was given was incapable of producing the perfection which Christ demanded. So that priesthood had to be replaced by the superior Melchizedek priesthood. Another reason why the law, even the first covenant, had to be superseded by a better covenant centers around the fact that the priesthood under which the law or first covenant was given was incapable of producing the perfection which Christ demanded in his New Testament bride. So let's read Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 followed by Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 to 2. So first Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect even as your father which is in heaven is perfect and now we go to hebrews chapter 7 from verse hebrews chapter 6 sorry from verse 1 to 2 therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of christ let us go on unto perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. That was taken from Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1 to 2. So for confirmation again, let's read Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 11 to 12. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So for those who still cannot grasp what those two verses mean, I will paraphrase it in such a way so please listen one if the levitical priesthood under which the law was given was capable of producing the perfection which christ demanded in the new testament believer there would have been no need for the emergence of a priest from the melchizedek order since the aaronic order or levitical priesthood under which the holy just and good law was given already established as we just read in hebrews chapter 7 verse 11. two what hebrews chapter 7 verse 12 is saying is this now the fact that the priesthood was changed from the levitical to the superior melchizedek order is indicative of the fact that a change in the law was also inevitable now, since Jesus was the God-appointed high priest of the new covenant, being a priest after the superior order of Melchizedek, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20, 
for confirmation. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So he was duly qualified and divinely authorized to make changes to the law, and he did just that. And one may ask, where in the world did Jesus make changes to the law? And the answer is, in his Sermon on the Mount, the following excerpts speak loudly to this question under review. From one of the five books of the law, we can confirm in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. So let's read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. We also have another excerpt in the following confirmation in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. So, against the backdrop of those two verses from the book of Deuteronomy, which authorizes the children of Israel to swear by God's name, one stumbles upon the following straightforward teaching of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 35 and 37. So let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 35, verse 37 for confirmation. Again, ye have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thy oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And verse 37 but let your communication be, yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So the above teaching of Jesus on swearing is without doubt a perfect example of a change in the law or first covenant. Another pertinent change to the law, though in a positive direction, can be cited in Jesus' teaching on the topic of idolatry. For whereas in Old Testament times, a man had to have physical contact with another person's wife for him to be deemed an adulterer, Jesus has widened the adulterous net, as it were, to include the contemplative aspect of the act. So for confirmation, let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 28. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, 
thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, had committed adultery with her already in his heart. Also with respect to the sin of revenge, which allowed under the old covenant for the following kinds of vengeance, namely an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, as we read in Exodus 21 to 24 and Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 21. So you see, Jesus repealed that law altogether and taught instead to turn the other cheek. So let's read Matthew chapter 5 from verse 38 to 39. You have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Can anyone who calls himself or herself a Christian deny the fact that Jesus made changes to the law? I trust no such person exists, for that would be a real tragedy indeed. Notwithstanding the above doctrinal facts, online listeners, many for denominational reasons do teach the heresy that what God said in the Old Testament must be maintained in the new. This they do by citing the text in Malachi 3, verse 6. So let's turn to Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You see what I just read in Malachi 3, verse 6, online listeners. God is not dealing with the unchangeableness of his word. No, not at all. Instead, he is highlighting the fact that an element of his nature is that he is merciful. Those sinful sons of Jacob, as can be deduced from reading Malachi 3, verse 5, are not consumed in spite of their wicked ways as Malachi 3, verse 6 states. That and nothing else is what that Malachi 3 verse 6 verse means. Therefore, online listeners, if one were to infer that that verse meant something else, that would be a classic example of handling the word of God deceitfully. So as I close this morning, I hereby reiterate the fact that since the Levitical priesthood under which the law was given was incapable of producing the perfection which Christ required, that first covenant, also referred to as the law, which was inextricably linked to that priesthood, which was capable of producing that perfection which Christ desired and required of his saints. So again, please read Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 and Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Those are biblical references which highlight God's requirements. And then again, online listeners, Jesus Christ will be returning soon. So I'm asking persons to please prepare yourselves 
for his return. That's the end of my segment. I will be again live on Wednesday next week. So do stay tuned for another Word Made Plain.